What's up, former party people? This is Jerry, you know, the one who actually combs his hair on the A is for Alcoholic podcast. Now, if you're finding value in listening to the AIFA podcast every week and you want to support sharing it with others, we invite you to become a sustaining monthly or per show contributor. Go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. It's super easy and it only takes a quick moment. It's about as easy as buying one of those pre-cooked space chickens from the grocery store, taking it outside, giving it a big old kiss, and kicking it into traffic. (laughs) Why would you do that? Anyway, you do you, and I'll do me. Again, go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. And with that, people, let's start the show. A is for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry, and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. Okay. A is for alcoholic. Um, we are back. Hi. We are here. Hi. It's good to see you, Jerry. Um, good to be back again. Yes. It's been a while. It's been quite some time. <laughs> it has been a while. Um, having some moderate technical difficulties here today we um uh, we started the podcast it recorded and then everything shut down but these you know these things happen and uh whatever right yeah we were warming up anyway dude mm-hmm. we weren't in the full act yet we weren't we were yeah. at the beginning of the act we were getting the wheels greased we're getting the wheels greased so um mm-hmm. what were we talking about i guess i just wanted to say you know so basically if you're listening for the first time if this is your first uh show A is for alcoholic. We do a podcast where Jerry and I get together. We both have about four and a half to five and a half years of sobriety. And we talk about, we pick a letter through the alphabet. We go through the alphabet. We talk about some aspect of our alcoholism, our recovery, our sobriety. And we um, try to chop it up, take it out, chop it it up, take it it out, chop it up. Put it Um, back all chopped up. Hopefully come, come to some conclusions or realizations. But, you know, the one thing I wanted to say, too, is um, we're not experts on this, so I would only suggest that people do their own research and find their own path. And, you know, um, we were mentioning before, I, I was mentioning about your routines and, like, your workout routines and the things that you do consistently um, yeah. are, the I think, the most helpful, right? Well, I think we're kind of getting into it as a metaphor for even recovery because, mm-hmm. like you were saying, that you go through this routine and that you, you know, you're like, well, what do I do when it gets cold? I have to do these things now, like buy gloves and buy certain things. And then I guess right before we lost each other, I was saying that it's just like life. Like, it's just like the metaphor for recovery in the sense that like your routine, even though the routine remains constant, everything surrounding it changes constantly. It's mm-hmm. a flux, you know? So yeah, like you run through the spring and it's beautiful, but then it starts getting colder. So you need to adapt to that or you need to maybe not work out some days. I was saying because you're not feeling well or you sprained something or strained something. You know, like things have to change, you know. Mm-hmm. They just, my routine, personally, my life remains the same and everything around it changes. And it's just, that's yeah. just, it is what it is. You either have to accept it or fucking fight it and drown. So <laughs> the choice is yours, I right? guess, you know, like, yeah. So I'm just like, okay, well. Sometimes you don't, maybe you don't flail around in the water. You kind of yeah. have to float calmly. Float calmly. 
Um, and so, and I wanted to bring this up too. We were, just, we said this before, but I wanted to give a shout out to our friend Dirk Marshall, who, um, yeah, that's does interesting. The, I just followed him. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> the it's no, it's, it's, he has a podcast called VH us. And, um, I was texting with him last night and he was saying, Oh, this alcoholism thing is so fascinating. And, you right, know, which right. is kind of funny to us to hear, <clears throat> But for somebody who doesn't have that problem, um, when we sit here and talk about our daily struggles and issues and, you know, overthinking it, you know, and I'm just I'm just glad that somebody who's not suffering from it can still get some value from the show and still find it entertaining. It made me laugh because I pictured him sitting there with like a cup of tea Mm -hmm. going, huh, (laughs) this whole obsessive compulsive (laughs) approach towards the substances really fascinating like yeah they really fucked these guys lives up and now yeah. they have to podcast about it mm-hmm. yeah mm. and then just taking a sip of the tea you know just mm. so ah. dirk if you're listening thank you for the uh for the perspective absolutely and, um, and i've been drunk around dirk so yes yes that. yes um and i would say go check out his podcast and yeah. uh so what it's called vhs and um vhus and he he grew up uh, working in his parents' video store, so he loves old mm-hmm. movies. And he right. so he's got a vast depth breadth of knowledge of old movies. And so he takes an old movie, and he um, I think this last one was was Girl Six, which is about a phone sex operator, which Prince did the uh, soundtrack to. I remember Girl Six, yeah. And so he talks to a phone sex operator. And so he interviews do somebody. Still do that? I guess, yeah. I mean, I didn't finish the whole thing. I just started it. But the woman was saying, you know, she has different characters she plays, and yeah, I mean, Fasc- fascinating, fascinating. So people still <clears throat> talk dirty on the phone. <laughs> so V H us is the uh, the name of the podcast for those. Yeah, of just you subscribe looking, to it. Yeah, if, for those yeah. of you looking for something unrelated to uh, recovery. I got um, uh, th- my three closest friends in Arizona do a podcast now. Oh, really? What about? Yeah, called Harmless Phosphorescence. It's also a movie podcast where they do old school comic book movies and then they disseminate them and chop them up. What's Just like we do? Except they're comedians, so it's a lot funnier than you and I. <laughs> Where's the? Uh, where does Harmless Phosphorescence come from? Where's that name come from? I don't know. I'd have to text somebody. And oh, ask. Okay. Probably it's, it's probably either a Simpsons reference or like an old movie reference. Got it. I'm gonna Got assume it. it's a Simpsons reference. Okay. Um, I've just the only reason I bring it up is because I just was listening to them earlier mm. today, and then you brought up Dirk's thing. Okay. But I on with the drunk, sad drunkenness. <laughs> you know, I I think. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. It mm, ain't sad. It doesn't have to be sad. Some of it was sad. It's certainly not sad. Well, I mean, some of it still is sad. I had a really shitty day the other day, and ultimately, I came to find, I, I came to realize that, like, I, re- it's really important for me to get enough sleep. Like, that's yeah, a huge I'm thing. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. And I could not believe how pained and panicked and stressed and frustrated and 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 just awful I was because I didn't have enough sleep. And I, mm-hmm. you know, Rashida was like do you want to take a nap? And I was like, I'm not tired like that. And uh, I don't need to take a fucking nap, Rashida. Basically. And so I ended up taking a nap. Jesus. I ended up taking a nap and I was like, thank you for, for pointing that out. And I, I 
just I only got like six hours of sleep or whatever it was, five and a half hours of sleep the night before, and I had all these different things going on, and so mm-hmm. um, finding out the things that are important, and so they're still frustrating and sad things. Um, today I wanted to ask you about uh, V is for vulnerability, and we wanted mm-hmm. to talk about what it means to be vulnerable. Um, how does one get there? Where does it come from? Why do we want it? What do we need it for? What's the purpose point? And and, and what is it? I mean, what, what does is it, it mean? So yeah, well, honestly, like, think. Like, I mean, yeah. I think it? that so vulnerability. I think it's something. What we all, my bet, my best understanding, is we as human beings want some sort of connection, right? That's right, and. We've dis- we've had the discussion about addiction versus connection and um, mm-hmm. how there's some correlation, but it's a Absolutely, lot more complex yeah. than just that. It's not the opposite necessarily. So being vulnerable when we're when I'm vulnerable, it's I'm opening up to who I really am, right? And it comes from also from shame. So if I'm ashamed of who I am or if I'm ashamed of something I do, it's because I'm afraid that if I share with you this whatever it is that you won't accept me that we will or not I'll be, judge you yeah mm-hmm. we will not be connected mm-hmm. and so that's where the vulnerability comes from is me being able to say um jerry there's this thing that i do or this the, here i i what would i say like oh hey you know i really like the smiths and morrissey you know and maybe this is a silly example but maybe if i'm feeling like you know, I just met somebody and he's a tough guy and I got to be a tough guy and I can't really share this sensitive side of me because I'll be judged, you know. Um, but what I really want is to be vulnerable and to have that so that I can be accepted for who I truly am. Because otherwise, I'm kind of just covering that up. And and a lot of that comes, you know, comes through in shame and self-hatred. So how do i how do i be vulnerable how do i get to a point where i feel comfortable sharing who i am um and i think part of it is whether or not my self esteem right do you do i feel worthy of love um hmm. do i yeah. feel and for I don't I don't know that I do a hundred percent. I think that for me it was you know a lot of what I what I uh, what I heard from my father was that I was not worthy of love. I was not worthy of of connection and acceptance. So I think a lot of it. I I still believe that my alcoholism is in there inside of me, regardless of what happened as a kid. But I think that it was exacerbated by the by the abuse of my father Mm -hmm. and that has led to a great deal of um my inability to be vulnerable (laughs) with people well that's really vulnerable of you (laughs) yes i mean i seriously like you know no i know it i know i mm -hmm. i understand absolutely it's such a i get it i get it as a concept i understand it as a reality you know and Mm -hmm. i also understand its importance as far as recovery is concerned because in order to get help you need to ask for help and to some people the biggest hurdle is asking for anything or asking for help or expressing that they are in a 
you know, that they're in a bad way. That's really hard for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So Um, there is vulnerability there. You know, it makes you open to rejection or, yeah, like you said, open to, to, you know, yourself, I guess, your own self-worth or self-value. Self-value. It's something I didn't didn't I don't really think about. I do and don't. That's why I'm glad you you picked this as a letter because I honestly don't think I need to make myself vulnerable today. I don't think a lot of people do though. And and I, but I can also see a correlation to it in regards to me in my experience going to these groups and going into these rooms and like not sharing often or not reaching out and being very friendly or not partaking in the fellowship too much just kind of i'm just kind of a tourist i float in and out you know i like float into the room get what i need float out i'm not really mm-hmm. but that may be more of a social thing you know which could be rooted in vulnerability because i'm like well what these people got to get to know the real me because the real me is kind of whack so i might as well be recovering me do you know what i mean and like, that's exactly so and i feel like that that notion that idea is the it's that it's that idea of not being worthy. It's that idea of being unworthy of love. Right. So right. I can't really share who I am because if I were to share who I am, even I don't think. Even I think that's kind of gross and weird. Right. And like y'all won't like me because yeah. you're gonna be like because I don't Ugh. like me. Ugh. And Ugh. <laughs> right. And but so, at the same point, I don't mm-hmm. want to walk into a room and be like, "Yo, I suck toes. That's my jam." You know, I don't suck toes, but do you know what I mean? I'm just like, yo, I, I'm all about smelling farts, and I just gotta share that and be vulnerable. Let's with try y'all. to confine our um, our conversation to our problems with alcohol, Jerry. Yeah, I like know? I like beer farts when people <laughs> fart beers on me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying though? Like, so I guess there there's obviously boundaries. I'm taking it really hard to an extreme. Here, sure, but I guess I, we do talk a lot about in our experience that reaching out to other people and finding community was really helpful for us even if our communities are small like my recovery community is really you and i you know mm-hmm. and, and the people i know i am acquainted with in the rooms but i'm not i don't have a recovery community like i don't have a group of people i go out and drink coffee with and and know that this is my th- this is my foundation of recovery you know do you do you want that not necessarily I, I want it to happen organically, though. Right. You know, it's one of those things where I don't want to go out and look for it and be like, I need some uh, fucking recovering alcoholic friends or recovering addict friends. Now, there's people that I know or that I'm acquainted with in the rooms that I think are really great people that I would like to be friends with, but I'm also like, who's got the time? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds funny, but it's fucked up. I'm like, where do I find time to do anything with anyone? You know, like... Mm-hmm. I don't got know. A lot going on, on. Online, got a lot going I mean, on over here. You play, yeah. uh, you play a lot of video games online. Yeah, man, I ain't gonna put it out there on PlayStation Live and be like, "Yo, looking for some dope fucking recovering alcoholics to play some fucking Fallout seventy six with, all right?" We couldn't Hit get like an ace for alcoholic hope. like Twitch stream or something. I'm a hope dealer. I deal hope, dude. You don't want to put anybody on Twitch stream. Gamers are gross, dude. <sighs> Everything all right over there? Did you? Yeah, it just sounded like a garbage truck fell over in the yard. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a garbage truck actually in the alley nice. behind the Safeway. Nice. But um, I see what you're saying, and, and vulnerability I think does have a lot to do with. Well, it depends on the context of it, right? Because when you mentioned it to me in my context, I think of it versus the masculine idea of holding yeah. everything close to your chest so that you were not easily attacked be it physically or emotionally because you open your heart up and you're like i have a lot of love and i'm actually a soft person 
and I, I have a lot of affection and emotion, typically in a masculine group, that is a feminine aspect and therefore you shall be attacked because you do no, you no longer have masculine qualities. You're weak. And in those, that hyper-masculinity, that toxic mm -hmm. fucking masculinity that I live in like every fucking day of my life, that is like a big no-no. That's girl stuff and girls are weaker than. Mm -hmm. Girls are weaker than. I mean, I hear that shit all the time. And I'm and what's like, your, uh, what's your boss's? Your boss is, is a woman? My boss is a woman, <laughs> yeah, right? So, so I think it's just a bunch of fucking baby boys who are mad that a lady's in charge. You right. Know? Yeah, and I've been guilty of it myself. It's not like I'm sitting over here pious. Like, I've done some gross shit because I'm a human being and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm made of fault, you know? Yeah. That being said, so when you texted me, like, vulnerability, I'm like, oh, right. Like, I got Like, it's like the idea of not... Because we brought up masculinity within recovery and alcoholism mm -hmm. before there's always like being a man is dumb it's real dumb sometimes in society it's dumb yes you know like we have to do dumb shit i don't want anybody to feel sorry for me i don't have it harder than anybody else i just i look at it and i'm like how absurd how fucking absurd that i have to walk around and be like i got balls big old balls you know like have it's these so yeah these bizarre conversations that require yeah, us dude, to and it's so silly and i've done it i've been absolutely guilty of it in recovery i've done it you know mm -hmm. because i'm a human being i'm not perfect none of us are i apologize to anyone i've done that too yeah it's if just you're so... listening to the podcast but if i've done it to you probably not listen to the podcast probably like, fuck, <laughs> fuck that guy fuck that guy fuck that jerry wagner guy. it's just really divisive and i think i really although is. i do believe that there are unique issues problems and and situations that men and women go through in recovery in life right. but in recovery in recovery as right? well and, and i don't important. know a woman's aspect of it right i still think I'm it's not. pretty divisive and i think that there right. have been there have been women in recovery that i've been like wow i really like what that woman has to say like i'm i'm i am you know just as drawn to what a woman has to say as to what right. a man has to say. Well, if you gel with the message, it doesn't matter who's saying the message. Exactly. Right? You take that piece and you use it. It doesn't matter whether or not that person is A, B, or C. You know, you know, one side, the other, in the middle, or any of the part of the spectrum of it. You know, it's just so finding that being able to admit that is hard. Sometimes. So I think as a, like a metaphor, it's almost like the alcoholism, my actions in alcoholism, the feeling of alcohol, the decompression of feeling drunk was like a shield right mm -hmm. like i think this is where we're getting at it at least that's what it feels like in, in regards of once again saying the v word of vulnerability but like it's almost like in in the action of being drunk and we joke about this all the time you and i have done it in the past we do it all the time and culture is that you drink to no longer have feelings right yes. you drink so you don't feel things and it's it's funny like everybody laughs about it people also are very very honest about it and very brutal about it because if you have feelings then you show your hand then you show your vulnerabilities and then now you're unworthy and and people shame you or you're weak and people can attack you that want something from you or want to take something from you mm -hmm. it's so strange right but if you have the booze armor on then you're like yeah i'm fucking i'm a teenage mutant ninja turtle that makes no sense mm -hmm. Hey, I mean, they got shells. They got turtle power. That's, I guess that's what I was coming far was, yeah. So um, you got a shell. You got a um, shell made of whatever, you know, vodka crayons. A shell of vodka crayons. God, what a gross shell. There's, yeah. it, it's, 
when you open yourself up to that, or I guess, I guess when you, when you're, when you're drinking and you, you, like you said, you drink to numb things. Right. And I think, I think a lot of it is we, I know I would drink to numb the bad feelings, like all the bad feelings, all the, Mm -hmm. all the fear and all the sadness and all the depression. But, but in doing that, I also numbed out all of the good feelings. So that sort of phony or fake little, you know, bit of, elation or bliss that comes after like after that first drink and then after like the second third maybe even the fourth drink where you're like yeah man i'm starting to get fueled up right like, that wave but yeah. it's not real it wasn't real for me i mean there was some fun to be had i suppose but it was never there was never any real true joy in in any of that um yeah. so i just i just deleted all of that and it was just easier at the time i should say it was easier to cover it up and not have to think about feelings. Cause how many times did we, how often did we pick on each other and how often did we fucking, you know, give each other a hard time, you know, in all of our friend groups, we were really mean to each other, right? We were really mean to each other. It was like always sunny in Philadelphia. I think that's why I still love that show because they're just so mean to each other. And, mm-hmm. But there was always that, like, I can be really mean to you because we're friends. So I'm allowed to take this Liberty with you because you know, I don't mean it. But mm-hmm. you also know that it, there is some truth. There's a kernel of truth in there. Yeah. And so yeah. what do you think the like what do you think the the purpose or the the motivation for being mean to to each other? Like where do you think that comes from? Are we Well, back then I think for me it was like making you prove your worth as a friend and also keeping everybody in check. Everybody had to stay in check. Nobody could be up here. Mm-hmm. If we're all down here, you need to get the fuck back down here with us. You know what I mean? But there was also the, uh, well, if you can take shit from me, then that means you're a good friend because that means you'll stick with me even though I'm a, f- I'm fucking mean to you. And but but the mean was always joking, like we would clown on each other, mm-hmm. and then it would get mean because somebody would get hurt. It was never like, at least the way I felt like I expressed it was, it was never like that bullying mean in the sense that I'm like, fuck you. You know, it was just more like, ha fuck you fat fuck, you know, like, mm-hmm. and then laugh, we'd all laugh because we were all fat fucks except for Coda. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. so that's the way, and maybe Walter, you know, but I guess you and I were just the only mm. fat fucks, but, but it was this, to me, I always thought it was endearing and I didn't realize that all the stuff behind it was definitely like, it was, there was, it's complex, right? There's a Fear. ton of facets to it. Fear. That fear of vulnerability and being like, hey, man, I really love you. And like, you're the only person who puts up with my shit other than my wife. And like, mm-hmm. I need people to put up with my shit because I'm hurting and don't know how to express that. So I'm just let the good times roll. Haha. <laughs> you know, but uh, I, yeah, I mean, there's a lot under it, you know, I think I mean, I know that I was sometimes genuinely hurt by the things that were said. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't have so any specific I. instance, yeah. but you know, it was... I know you're going to be like February, <laughs> so, Jerry. 2008, Jerry. I'm about to, uh, I've <laughs> we got an right inventory in I'd that, like to yeah, read to you. Um, you're in that tiki bar in Seattle. We're right in front of it. And you fucking pulled my pants down. <laughs> so, but I mean, I was genuinely hurt. And so in those moments, me thinking that this was just, this was a, these were, these were the best relationships that I had, right? These were the yes. best friendships that I had. And so I, I put a lot of stock and value in them. So if if something was said to me, even in jest, and it was it was and it hurt me, I couldn't show you that I couldn't show you that hurts. I couldn't say, hey man, 
that really hurts my feelings because that would just exacerbate the the antagonist Oh, well, you heard? You heard, yeah. Jim? Mm-hmm. Eh? Yeah. And what so, was the one? You give me a Christmas present? Right. You give me, give me a nice pair of jeans mm-hmm. for Christmas, mm-hmm. pussy? Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> that's a little inside <laughs> joke, um, but it I swear it makes sense if you were there. Um, well, and it's also a mean way ago. of making fun of each other because you were like, I like those pants. Where'd you get those? Yeah. It's, well, you you going to give me a Christmas present? Yeah. And so it was just always this sort <laughs> of like, but I always felt like, okay, well, it, this is a positive thing, right? Because this is building me up, so I have to be strong. So this is, you know, and so, and it was so, so misguided in how to build myself up and to build my friends up. Because like you said, we're over there going, oh, I don't know, he's feeling a little too good about himself. We got to bring him back down a peg. So it was always about like bringing us down rather than lifting us up. because. Right. I was like putting I'm, us all on the same level. It's mm-hmm. like not wanting anybody to succeed because they, if they succeed, they might fucking leave you too. They might bounce out and find a higher class group of friends with a better cheese party or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. And you don't want that. Cause then what, then I got to be alone here in my shit. Fuck that. No, mm-hmm. you stick around with me. It's funny. You got me thinking about it though. And how much pride we took in some of the weirdest things with each other where like it was this toughness, right? I didn't have this, conventional toughness like i couldn't fist fight i don't understand sports i don't like sports you know i don't i but i have this toughness that i can go to a bar and i can fucking drink 10 fucking whiskeys go outside dry heave up those whiskeys wipe my mouth off light a cigarette and go back in the bar and drink 10 more and that was tough to me that was like fuck you and your mother i can do that you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and so it just is so such a skewed version of masculinity it's such a skewed version of our versions of masculinity <laughs> our versions of invulnerability because mm-hmm. this is also our version of it you know i don't I'm, i don't even know if there are like i don't even want to really parse into that whole societal aspect of masculine versus feminine and what is a this and that and these energies and shit because they're there but they're also not there you know mm-hmm. but in a sense of vulnerability my armor was definitely had a lot to do with my drinking prowess and that i could you know what I mean? Like, think about it. We hated drinking on the weekends because all the normal amateurs were out drinking, right? They were vulnerable. They didn't understand what it was like to be like us because they didn't. Some of them didn't. It's just like you said with Dirk, who's like fascinating, this alcoholism, right? They didn't understand that compulsion and that need and that fire. And then once you stoke that engine, it's just, you just run, run with it, you know, until you fucking yeah. fall down or die or whatever it is you do, you know? Yeah, we cultivated our entire schedules to like everybody was working on the weekend so that we could have like Sundays off or Mondays off right, to go right. kind of go out and be this weird, obnoxious crew of people that had no yeah. problem going out at 11 o'clock in the morning. Now, to... I would get so fucking jealous of you guys because I had to work this fucking dumbass tattoo job <laughs> and y'all were in the bar and you would drink till the sun, you know, you'd get off a shift and then that was your nighttime and you would drink till like nine and then sleep all day. And I'd be so jealous that I couldn't really hang. Yeah. Cause, well, because I was drinking bar hours. So then when right. you guys were all punching out and fucking having your camaraderie after Four, five, six, seven, eight in the morning, I'm gone. I'm gone. So yeah. I'm fucking blacked out. I'm trying to start a fight with Walter. I'm trying to start a fight with my wife. Like, do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm done. And so I always felt a lot of envy towards that. I always wanted to be part of that scene. Like I was, I just don't think I could have hacked it in a bar. I just would have fell on apart. Just the stress of it and the alcohol just would have fucked my world up. Yeah. Even more like I did not need to be behind the bar. 
with all that free booze. Huh. You would have fired me. It's so it was just interesting to me. I mean, you you very much know that about yourself, right? You know that you're yeah. like that is even not then my I thing. Knew it, though. Even yeah. then, and even yeah. you know, I mean, when was the last after? I think part of, and I wonder, like, because you when we worked at the coffee corner some twenty plus years ago, and mm-hmm. then you were we were you were apprenticing to be a tattoo artist. Like, right. I I don't know if you like if you chose that out of like I don't want to work in the restaurant jobs anymore like i want to fucking yeah, do something it pretty else. much is right so they always ask me like what got you in the tattoo and what and i'm getting this new round of college kids who are taking journalism courses and they always want to interview a tattooer right mm-hmm. so i'm always like the guy who's like yeah i'll fucking do it and i always have to answer the same question like what got you into tattooing and i'm like i draw i've drawn my whole life i've made art since i could make art because i was poor and i had an aptitude for art mm-hmm. and i didn't have a tv so i drew that's how i entertained myself I never tell him that though. I was like, oh, I used to write graffiti with a guy or whatever. But yeah, I took the job because I got a lot of disposable income at that point. I could make disposable income. I didn't have to punch in at the coffee corner. I could wear a shirt that said fuck on it. I could listen to social distortion all day or whatever I was into at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And like I didn't have the owner of coffee corner taking my hard work and using it to buy whatever fucking thing they wanted. You know, like I could take my own hard work now, or at least a portion of my own hard work and buy whatever I wanted with it. It was never like I wanted to be this, to uplift the art of tattooing. Now I don't give a fuck. I didn't give a fuck about that. Like now maybe, but even now I'm like, I'm just, I do a job that I enjoy doing. I don't hold myself in any higher regard than anyone else. I just wish I could have hung out with the bar guys. Right. And now, and I think like. <laughs> Eating a greasy old egg at like oh. four, five in the morning, just at that fucking the hurricane. Jesus. Gotta take a cab down to the hurricane and fucking have Bloody Marys. And can I'd be at my house with my wife and daughter being like, oh, I want to go. Can you, you even know? imagine doing that now? No. That sounds no. fucking awful. I had a mild <laughs> stomach ache yesterday and it like almost ruined my day. <laughs> I like felt a little weird in my stomach. Like I might have eaten some mm-hmm. old pumpkin pie and was like, oh, I feel a little uncomfortable, a little loosey goose, you know? No. No. I didn't even have problems. I just felt like I might have a problem. Whereas like, Five and a half years ago, like I just, fight it just through was that. made a shit. Yeah, you just fight through it. And I'd smoke and drink and be like, I'm probably gonna shit my pants today. Yeah, that's my goal is to not do that. That's my one goal. Yeah, and smoke and drink all the way through it. Because then you drink enough, then it kind of goes away. But it doesn't. Remember we were talking about how you had a wine, an allergy to the tannins in the wine, and you get really flushed. <laughs> and so then you would just drink more wine to not feel the allergies. Like uh-huh. that's exactly what my gut was like. I'm like, oh, I have IBS. I have IBS. I have fucking chronic alcoholism. Mm -hmm. Well, not only did I have an allergy to the tannins in the wine, I had an allergy to some of the hops in the IPA. I had an allergy to the fucking, some of the grains in the vodka. A quite literal medical allergy. Like, you know, they mentioned in the big book, they call it an allergy to alcohol, but I don't know how they can prove that. I don't know if they've actually proven it. Like if I Mm -hmm. go to a doctor and they do an alcohol test, they're like, you're allergic to alcohol. But you had a literal actual allergy (laughs) Where you went into anaphylaxis, like you, you would, your throat wouldn't close up, but your all your tissue would swell. It You'd would like swell all up. I would up. get red. It you'd would swell the, up. I would have trouble labor breathing. breathing. Not like, I hear yeah, you wheezing labor. next to me. Yeah, you'd sit next like, to me and wheeze and smoke old golds, and I'd be like, "Do you need a shot of whiskey? Do you think that'll right? help it?" And you'd be like, "Yes, that would help it." Because <laughs> that was the only that was the only tool that we had available to us. I mean, that was the only tool I had. Was like, well, I couldn't afford no doctor. Right, I couldn't afford a yeah, doctor. I'd I never still even. Can't. You know, even even the even the prospect of 
so when I got the when I have the the health insurance that I do now, and um, like I had to fill out paperwork, I had to talk to people on the phone, I had to you know I had to email um, things like my like pay stubs or whatever, like all these different things. What what do you call that proof of uh, of income or whatever? Yeah. So mm-hmm. none of these things would have even been possible in that time. I would have no. I wouldn't have picked up the phone. I wouldn't have sent an email. I think I had a Hotmail account, but I didn't really even give a shit about it. You know, right. so all these things that now it's like, oh, yes, I guess I could go see the doctor if something was really wrong with me. And, you know, um, but it just it did. All I had was, yeah, I guess I'll have another shot of whiskey just so I don't have to feel this, even though I'm having a painful physical reaction. Yes, that is mm-hmm. that is hurting my breathing. Just the uh, uh, this uh, absurdity. I love that word today, but very, mm-hmm. very absurd. Yeah, very absurd. But yeah, there's. I don't know. You know, like, it's just so funny. I mean, the things we did in our little peer group, even outside of it, just individually, the things we did to like mask those things. You mm-hmm. know, to like cover those things. Everybody lives a secret life. I don't care if you're sober or not sober or what. Everybody has a secret part of their life that no one knows anything about. And that's fine. You're allowed that. Unless you're hurting other people, don't do that. You're gross. But you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. everybody has a thing that we have these, like my spouse knows certain things about me that other people don't know just because that's this shit that nobody needs to know, you right. know, or shit that doesn't come up in polite conversation. And then there's things I do outside of my spouse that my spouse doesn't even really know I get down with. Like, you know, the gambling ring and the cockfighting and all that <laughs> and the fucking... Uh, Sure. Be my terrorist organization. But, you know, so these are these things where those are also vulnerabilities. So I guess the reason why I bring it up is I wonder, where's that line? You know, where's that line? Because you talk about a lack of love or a, a fear of not acquiring love. And I talk about like a fear of being shamed, which is also a lack mm-hmm. of love. And then I wonder where the line is, right? Because you know that there are people you meet in recovery who do overshare. They fucking totally overshare. And that's fine. It's just sometimes I'll walk away from some people sometimes and be like, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. But maybe they needed to get that out on me. There's that Maybe too. they just needed to throw that on the table. So I have to accept it, right? You have, but I, I mean, also know next time I see them, I'm not. I'm going to be like, good to see. I got to I gotta go. You know? it's, a little bit, it's a bit much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a and bit that's. Much, dude. Like, I guess that's, that's personal. That's, that's up to you, right? Uh-huh. That's, and so yeah. I think that the, again, I think the line is. As long as you're not hurting somebody else, um, yeah, don't don't do that. I do believe or hurting yourself or hurting you know? yourself. This is, um, this is not detrimental, you know? yeah. Um, but I think that I think that we all want to be accepted for even those those things that we don't share. We want to, right? I think right. I think so. I think so. I don't know. Maybe not for everybody. I don't want to speak for everybody. I know that. That like, Maybe you're speaking for yourself. I'm speaking I'll for speak myself for and I, say that I want to be accepted for those things, but I just don't want to bust them out because it's not really those are my things. Sometimes the things yeah. are my things. You know? Yeah. So I guess that reason why I take this meandering path is I'm, you know, fleshing it out. It's just that vulnerability in that sense. You know, like I'll sit on the bus. I don't drive, so I'll sit mm-hmm. on the bus and like look at people. Like I just kind of figure. I wonder what their secret lives are because I'm kind of weird like that. And I'll be mm-hmm. like, I bet you that guy wears like ladies' underwear, and that's good. Whatever, it's probably comfy as fuck, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, but I like suss them all out and go, oh yeah, that guy, that guy cried last night to beaches like four <laughs> times, you know. And it's, like, yeah, it could even be like it doesn't even have to be even that 
it could be something like that that guy yeah. really loves model trains and he's got a whole model exactly. train set in his basement. And just doesn't, and doesn't talk about it. Doesn't talk about it with anybody because that's his special thing. And yeah. And maybe parents you know, didn't let him have toys or whatever. Yeah. I, I don't know that everybody needs to share everything about themselves and be open and completely no. open and vulnerable. But yeah, I think I feel a lot of what in recovery that was helpful was expressing these things to somebody else and and telling you know someone else. Um, whether that's a sponsor, you know, a friend or whatever, however you go about doing it. Yeah. But was sharing those things and going like, Oh my God, I feel so much better to say something. And that's, that's where a lot of the relief was, was able to begin. You know, you feel like you absolved yourself of the, cause when I did my fourth step, I felt like I absolved myself of some things. Mm -hmm. I got it out. I got it out in the world and I ended up remembering things that I didn't realize I had done like crazy shit. And I was like, Oh wow, you did do that. And that's mm-hmm. fucking wild that you did that because it's things I had never thought about that. Once I started picking at it, mm-hmm. everything kind of came out, you know? And, uh, I did, I felt better, but I also felt bad too, though. Well, I, I felt guilty. Mm-hmm. I felt ashamed, but I also felt better that I could be like, Ugh, and just push it all out, you know? It was helpful. It was, and then you got to keep doing them, though. That's the way it works. You don't just do the one. You got to keep doing them all the time. Every day, right? Well, you're supposed to every day. I, mean, I don't do them every day, but you should. It's <laughs> well, it's helpful. I mean, I I I find that if something comes up, and so the idea is, as I understand it, uh, resentment go, is going to bring me toward drinking again, right? right. Now that may right. take a while and that may take years mm-hmm. and maybe that's this, that, and the other, and maybe it's not a direct path. And I don't, right. I don't have to, I don't have to, you know, resolve every single resentment every single day or else I will right. drink immediately. But right. It's not like you're like, you're like, fuck you, Hillary Clinton. And then you just drink a fucking pint of like schnapps. You know and, what I mean? Right. And that's not, that's not gonna, that's not gonna help anybody find the DNC servers anyway, you know? No, <laughs> exactly. You and your butterscotch schnapps and your resentment ain't fucking with nobody. But I, I yes, the so, resentment, that's the concept is that the resentment is, is like a weight. What do, what do I, what do I do today to deal with the things that if something pops up and I go, well, why did I feel that way? Okay. Well, don't, you know, what's going to help me to, what's going to help me to find love and gratitude and forgiveness for that person that I am resentful toward? Right. I don't always have Or at least accept my resentment. See, you're already at love and gratitude. I'm just at acceptance. Like, okay. what's going to make me accept this person? And then once I accept them, we'll talk about like, mm-hmm. you know, and then maybe work our way up to love. But see, this is how I, I, I actually have noticed this in your recovery, how you've changed. Because you do have a lot. You are more adept at expressing your love now, which I think is, and I, I don't want well, this podcast you. turned into me kissing your ass. Once again, here's the old thing, right? That's the mm-hmm. old thing of me being like, don't don't get too ahead of yourself there, John. But um, no, it's just I've noticed that you you have more of an ability to express that thing that's I think been inside you all along. You just have always kind of just pushed it down and pushed it away because you're like, if I express that I love people in a caring, affectionate way that's non-sexual and non-conditional, everybody's gonna fuck with me, you know. Um, whereas I'm still in this phase where I'm like, I, I'm allowed to express this love, but I also need, there's this protective thing in me where I'm like, I need to accept these things before I can offer any type of positive emotion, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause I, I do, I think we all carry our resentments differently. Some of us carry them really deep and some of us carry them very shallow, 
But it's all different with everybody. It depends on what the resentment is. I mean, I think that's why I liked that tool. And I like you say every day, when you say every day and I say not every day, I think of more like sitting down and writing it out. Whereas you are really, you write, like you write everything out and I do everything mentally. Mm-hmm. So like I'll do little ones. Yeah, I'd say I do them daily mentally in my brain. You know, like I'll go, okay, what, what, what did I have to do with this and why am I so fucking butthurt about this? And like what is my part of it? You know, like what did I do anyway to welcome it in? And now I need to accept it because being butthurt about it is not going to help me. And then I might drink. And then if I drink, I'll fucking die. You know, that's... <laughs> hey, so, man, like, I, I, would rather, I would rather you have that little voice in your head than have a drink, right. you know, at least right. for now. Yeah, because that little voice is straight up like, don't drink, you'll fucking die, Jerry. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, is that, okay. is that is that like, does that stem from like your mom or something like that? Yeah, or? probably, dude. <laughs> because, man, I never really fucked with Coke growing up. I did a little bit to keep drinking. Yeah, me but too. But I remember my mom, I was like probably Olive's age. I was like nine years old. And Leanne's like, don't do coke, you'll fucking die. It like just immediately like, your heart will explode and you'll die. You'll just fucking, the minute you sniff it, you're dead. It's all or you're dead. And I was like, oh, fuck. Or the other one was, uh, don't take uh, painkillers and drink because you'll fucking die. You'll die, Jerry. You'll just be dead. <laughs> They'll find you in your house dead. And, and so I, that was I always fought, didn't you know me all the time I didn't really fuck with any of that stuff too much you know and I do want to say is that I heard that um it's your your impersonation of your mother because Leanne if you're listening and I know you are she's a very sweet and lovely she woman talk, she's she doesn't talk like that she that, she does but she does it. it she's always been very open and accepting and super cool and i've always had a good time with her it's so that's because yeah but it's your it's just your impression she listens to the podcast yeah Um, Yeah. no she doesn't talk like but then she'll call me be like i don't talk like that i don't know why you make fun of me talking like that and i'm like you're talking to me like that right now Uh, um i asked her for a tamale recipe i needed a tamale recipe and she said it'd be way too much to text back to me like it's way too much to write out. I'm like, right. we'll take a picture of it and send it to me. And she's like, no, it's all in my brain. <laughs> I don't know why that was so fucking funny. Cause she's like, it's all in my brain. And I'm like, okay. And then she sent me a link to like some Google, some Google document of making tamales. But I just thought it was so funny that so much of it is in her brain. Like she, she doesn't want to write it out. Mm-hmm. You know? Did you did you it's, make the tamales? No, I haven't made them. Mm-hmm. It's a process, dude. If any listeners out there know. Tamale making can fucking lead you to drink, <laughs> motherfucker, dude. It is a process, dude. What is it like? The masa? The the you gotta make masa. You gotta get the husks. You gotta like steam the husks. Then you gotta steam the masa. Then you gotta like you gotta stew the meat overnight. It's like a multi-day process. It's mm. like a, but they're good. I'm I'm still probably gonna do it. I want to try to make sweet ones and mm. yeah. Anyway, yeah, the sweet nice. ones are good. Um, so well, one I wanted to say thank you. Um for saying that about me um i do yeah. feel like i can express my love a little bit easier and i think that yeah. that's part of that i i think that has been one of the gifts of recovery for me um is being able to do that and being comfortable with it because i yeah you know <clears throat> mm-hmm. um it's it's never been some it's always been something that i've been made fun of or you know when you're a sensitive kid you know yeah <laughs> right Right. Um, I have to use humor and sarcasm. Right. So, I mean, that's that's always something that's and it's like, oh, okay. And now it's not even something that has to be some profound, you know, bold expression of 
my love for the world no, and nature and all this that stuff. Is a little weird. You know, like, yeah. but it can just be like something <laughs> cool or like when I take pictures, you know, and I'm like, oh, look at this beautiful flower. Like, what's wrong with taking a picture of a beautiful flower? There's nothing. Nothing. You should appreciate it. We have a very finite amount of time. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's true. Yeah, it's, so it's good to appreciate the things around you. Absolutely. This is also another reason why I fucking got sober. It's because I have a finite amount of time. Really? Like, Tell me. Don't get... This, well, this occurred do, to you. It just occurred to me now, really, hmm. honestly. But I think it's always been on the surface. Is I'm going to die one day. So what the fuck? Like, how, do I really want to live the rest of my life fighting and feeling resentful and angry and hungover and drunk and, and go through that whole cycle. Like every day to me is the same, very similar, but there's, they're different now. I can notice the differences. Mm -hmm. And that's that, that realization that I could not notice that mm -hmm. sober. I mean, drinking, I couldn't notice it drinking. It's like that whole Bukowski thing. And there was that, remember that Factotum movie? Was it yeah. Factotum that it was came out Dillon. with them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there was this Slow Day song, and it was called Slow Day, and it was like Slow Day, Slow Week, and she's like, everything's just the same and nothing really matters. And it's like cribbed from a Bukowski sentiment, and that's how I felt like my life was. Like, everything's exactly the same. Every, nothing matters because it's just a slow life I'm leading in a circle, just experiencing trauma constantly. Mm -hmm. You know, this circular trauma. I always talk about that circle. Whereas now I live in a like kind of a loop, but it's a positive loop, you know, like I have, uh, I have things I have to do because in the long run, they make me feel better. And I get to appreciate those things I do, you know, yeah. like I didn't appreciate them before. Just like with you and your, like you make movies and put them on Instagram of like buzzards flying. And I'm like, what the fuck? But you appreciate the elegance of their flight. And so that it comes a lot from like recovery and, and it's almost like, Ah oh, man, I don't want to compare it to like getting a death sentence, but in a way it kind of is. It's almost like almost dying. It's like almost like a near death experience of its own kind. There's this but not book. a big profound one, just mm -hmm. a little tiny one. Yeah. You know? There's this book called The Tools and um mm -hmm. I wish I have it written down somewhere. I gave it to somebody. It was it's called The Tools. It's by this guy who's a psychologist, psychiatrist um and he lives in LA. And um, he's done a bunch of work with a lot of famous actors and stuff like that. But one mm -hmm. of the tools is imagine yourself in your deathbed looking back at your life. And exactly. what are the things you would have wished you would have done? Go do that today. Right. You know, and don't this is, fucking this, wait. I love that because this is a device I go back to all the time when I make big decisions in my life. And sometimes I'll even say, like, really, do I want to lay in my deathbed in some fucking hospital or in hospice and go, man, I'm sure glad I drank all that Evan Williams. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. uh, uh, like I'm glad I drank it when I drank it, but I'm glad I'm not drinking it anymore. Yeah, because I am grateful for my active alcoholism. Absolutely, you I have to be. I yeah, I have to be. But it's true. I make every big decision I make. I think about me in hospice or me wherever I am or whatever the circumstances are, and I go, do I, am I gonna look back and go, fuck, I should have made that decision, or I should have quit that job, or I should have done this or whatever, or, you know. I should have encouraged my wife to do this, mm -hmm. you know, you know, and that's why I try really hard to encourage people around me that I really care about. Like, try the thing. If the thing doesn't work, oh, well, what do you lose? Nothing. You know? I mean, most Nothing of the time really, it depends, but yeah, no, depends, I, I yeah. you know, and I, we talked a little bit about this and I hope you don't mind. I want to bring this up about the vulnerability you have around art and creating art. And, yeah. I don't mind talking about it. Yeah. Um, but me and my you know, fucking art yeah <laughs> well because there's still things where i'm like hey jerry i really need this thing i need this thing remember remember we were doing our uh we did a little thing for instagram where it was 
you know, cartoons that got sober, or like cartoon drugs right. that got sober. Right, and I sober. did like three of them, and then I had to draw everything for Kelsey and her whole crew. And, so like and I was like, I was like, hey, what about BoJack Horseman? Even though I don't watch that or Bender, and you're like, yeah, 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 I get it, yeah, whatever. And and right. so you talk about this thing where you took something that you loved, drawing art, and you know, you make <clears throat> you make a decent living tattooing people for a living. <clears throat> And sometimes it wears on you and sometimes, you know, it's, you don't feel as, I, I'll put it to you this way. I, I don't want to, you have said to me, you've expressed to me that you don't feel as inspired to do the painting and the artwork and that art has now become a bit of a chore for you because you're always putting that creative juice into somebody else's. Right, yeah, like thing. none of it's, rarely any of it's mine anymore. Even mm-hmm. when I do shit for me now because of, Instagram and the internet and having to get people to put eyeballs on my shit to ensure that I have work. Even the stuff I draw for fun now is I always think about who's going to be looking at it. Always. Now. Yeah. It's it's just lost its luster. It's And it'll come back. I honestly you think, think so? it will. I yeah, hope so. Yeah, man. I just hit waning periods, right? And so I know to other people it's, it's a novelty because they can't draw or they can't make art or they can't paint. And they look at my art and they go, wow, I can't believe you did that. I could never do that. And I'm like, yeah, I know you can't. And I can't. <laughs> I can barely do it myself, though. Because I look at it and I'm like, I can't do it either. Like, I'm just faking this. I'm a total fraud. Like, this is not real. Like... But do you I'm really just, do you really believe that you're a fraud? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But in a good way, not in a bad way. Oh. Like it's it's not in a way that I'm like tracing, which all of tattooing is fucking tracing <laughs> anyway. But do you know what I'm saying? Like no, I just well, I'm like, why I, are you I a fraud? Because I could do better. Because I could actually oh. be painting and using the device that was given to me by my higher power. And I just like don't like it. I'm like, ugh, man, I gotta paint this thing for you, really. Really? Mm-hmm. I like already have to draw all this shit for everybody else. Like maybe I just want to sit down and draw a butt and a heart and go to sleep <laughs> or whatever, you know. But now I have to draw like I have to do a whole leg sleeve of flowers for uh-huh. fucking Kelsey. And then Chad wants a fucking wants a cover up that I need to figure out what this cover up's going to be. So now I got to sit down and concentrate on how this cover up's not going to look like shit. And cover up everything. And mm-hmm. Chad can't come back in two weeks and be like, I can still see my wife's name through it or whatever. Like, I have to think about all that shit. Like, not just shit. Like, and I know this is, hey, preaching to choir. Because there's a guy out there right now mopping a fucking Arby's going, fuck you, Jerry. <laughs> Listen to this on his headphones being like, fuck you, I got to mop an Arby's. You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to mop an Arby's. And I don't hate my, I, I, it comes off like I'm complaining, but what it is more is like the creative aspect of my life. So and then I go home and I carry all this stuff. So the creative aspect is now like I come home and to decompress, like the last thing I'm gonna do is draw more. You know, mm-hmm. I'm done drawing. Like I'll doodle and I'll sketch and I'll sit down on my iPad and loose sketch things and come up with ideas, but I rarely finish them. I don't even finish my own shit. So like, I know other people out there are waiting for me to do things or like, you're like, Hey, draw a bender with a fucking LaCroix. And I'm like, I don't even finish my own shit. Like I draw stuff for myself that I've had sitting on that iPad for eight months. Mm-hmm. I have paintings in the garage that have been there for two years that I do for myself that I just don't finish because the motivation just goes away at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because someone on Instagram will hit me up in the middle of that painting and be like, can I get a price quote? And then I got to commit to that now and roll over to that and be like, well, always on, always on the job. So, yeah, you know, 
Yeah, it's always. I could go through my messages right now and be like, hey, I'm thinking about getting this tattooed by you. How much is it? And then I'll give them a rough price quote, and then I never hear from them again. They turn into ghosts. They just ghost away because that's too much, I guess. Maybe you could that, set up like a Venmo account, and they could Venmo you like five bucks for to, to, to start the discussion. Right, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I've got to talk to one of my coworkers. Has this whole social media thing figured out? Like, I honestly just want to throw my phone on the roof all the time. Mm. It's funny too because I'll be doing shit. Like, I'll go to pick my daughter up from school, and I'll be sitting there in the car waiting for her, and the kids all come out. And the minute the kids come out, someone will hit me up on Instagram. Someone will text me about something stupid, and then another person will text me about something on top of that. So I'll get like three things at once while trying to get Olive in the car, and like I have Generation X brain, so I'm like, what the fuck, you know, like, which is like, you know, post boomer brain. Mm-hmm. Like I just can't handle it, and it'll be like, literally, it'll be someone on Instagram being like, how much for this fucking thing, and then someone else being like, did you see this meme of a dog doing a tattoo, and then <laughs> like, I don't know, like someone else. Like one of my coworkers texting me being like, do you need to buy needles? And it all hits me at once and right. I get so overwhelmed. Yeah, I'm like, ah, done with this. Done with all of it. Do you? Done um, with art. Done with art. I mean. Done with it. So No, I'm still going to make art. I can't not make art. I just, I have to retire one day, right? But I can't. I can never retire. That's the other thing too. Do you think if you quit your job, you would want to do art more? If the, if this the, If this is the thing. Now, I'm not saying that that's, feasible or possible today i don't know like but, in my ideal world would i still be tattooing yeah i'd probably still tattoo but i probably wouldn't do it for money like in an ideal world if i could just have be independently wealthy and pursue tattooing as an actual art form and not have to depend on it to pay my bills yeah, yeah i absolutely would still tattoo not five days a week one day a week <laughs> by appointment only <laughs> by appointment only right yeah but as <clears throat> like but I, yeah i would not be working banker's hours tattooing if i didn't if I were independently wealthy and I'd probably still be painting and making art. Yeah. Because I have to flex that muscle. Hey man, it's like you have to run all day for your job and then you come, you come home and people are like, why aren't you running? You're a talented runner. And you're Mm -hmm. like, I just ran all day for my job. I'm done. That's all I did all day. I'm done. I'm one of those Maasai and I have to chase a fucking lion across 40 miles of Savannah. Yeah. Then he comes home to his Maasai wife and she's like, Hey, why aren't you running? You're a talented runner. You should run for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like i want to go to bed um <laughs> i think you know and it's it's such a I, I i i feel like the creativity requires a lot of um sitting like i can't draw i can't do what you do and you know like you said you're mm-hmm. like yeah i know you can't <laughs> uh, that's it but so like mine is a little bit different and mine is definitely um is is my creativity is helped by the technology that i have at at my disposal, right? Right. I can Same here. I can and relate. Video yeah. and you're right. But, um, but I think a lot of it requires just sitting and some of it requires, um, there'll be just periods where I'm like, yeah, man, I don't want to fuck. And I'll, all I'll be thinking about is this project that I'm working on, but I don't right. actually get into doing it. So it's just right. becomes this sort of monkey on my back about like, I, you should really, you should be doing this. And it's like, I don't right. want to do this, but you should yes. be. I don't want to, right? Yes. And so this pull back and forth, and it's only in my own brain a lot of times because nobody's hitting me up for anything. uh, But you can, uh, if you'd like, uh, asforalcoholic at gmail.com. It's not really – there's like no detail to what you do. Just John will do something. Hit John up and he could do something. (laughs) 
What is it? Something. Something. You'll, oh, you'll find out. What do you need? Something. Um, Something. Yeah. But it's like, so I get through that. And then once I finally get into it, and then there's things that I that I want to get done that I'm proud that I did, but that I didn't really enjoy. And so I'll mm-hmm. put I'll sometimes I'll have to put those off and do something else fun. And yeah. so I mean finding those and like you said, those lulls and ups and downs and just being and also just being being frustrated with it and being having to be okay and accept the, the frustration with it. You know, and going like, fuck, I just don't want to fucking do this right now. And this is, mm-hmm. I have no joy in this anymore. And right. trying to find that joy because if you said you get no, there's no more inspiration because you've all, it's all been sucked dry. Right. Or at least it's just kind of, yeah, sucked dry. It sounds so negative <laughs> though, but you're, are you fucking, it has and hasn't, you know, it's yeah. still there. It's just not an endless <clears throat> well. Like, and what we were talking about before we got on the podcast too is like, You've known me for years and I've always been like, I, I might have just said this, but like tattooing doesn't define me. Mm-hmm. Like it's just my job. Mm-hmm. And I know people who tattooing defines them. Like that's their title and that's who they are. And to me, I'm like, this is my job and I love it, but this is not who I am. Like I'm, I don't, I, but I don't know who I am. I don't know what defines me. Does my alcoholism define me? Eh, no, but it defines some of my actions. Mm-hmm. Just like tattooing defines some of my actions. Being a father defines some of my actions, but to say I am just a tattooer, I am just an alcoholic. You know that's that's doesn't do me any justice because I am a multifaceted firework. Yes, you are. Well, I mean, yeah. and it, it talk <laughs> we, this, this this whole point about expressing who you are and being comfortable right. enough to do that. And right, you uh-huh. know, and the two things that just occurred to me. You just said, um, even when I'm doing something for myself, I often look at it through other people's eyes because I want to know I what do, it's going to yeah. look like. Mm-hmm. I certainly with the all the video work that I've done because <clears throat> well, it's a visual thing, right? So, I've done it. Yeah. So I've done the video work. Now I try to do it in the format of Instagram because I want that's where I'm going to display it. So I'm no right. longer like <clears throat> interested in, you know, how things look, how I want them to look. I'm like, OK, well, it needs to be a square. So whatever all the pictures I take need to be squares. And so all this, so on mm-hmm. and so forth. But so that idea of looking at it through somebody else's eyes. And also, I remember you telling me as a very young lad that you know you'd be hanging out and if you were broke you know you'd say like hey um can i have a cigarette and somebody be like well yeah only if you draw me this thing right yes and so i'll give you a cigarette or can i have a drink old coda coda would be like draw me a fucking businessman smoking crack with a monkey on his head and so i'd have to draw it really fast and then coda would give me a cigarette and he'd throw me three bucks and be like go get a burrito kid I'd love that that guy on like just on any of those podcasts. These people need to meet Coda. He's oh, a character. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hook it up so that we can we. He's can been all playing talk. a lot. I mean, not to digress in this path. No, no. Hitting the near. He's been playing a lot of Grand Theft Auto again lately. <laughs> yeah, he's he? coming up on my PlayStation. Yeah, it's all Grand Theft Auto racing. So I can just see him over there racing. Uh huh. Just playing GTA racing. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, I had to draw things for. So I wonder my if some of this. Um, I wonder if some of this like you know, uh, resistance towards the art stems from like these, this decades long feeling I mean, like it's a job rather it's than a great question. I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to suss that one out with my therapist. I don't have a therapist though. So, um, it's just me and my cat. Just like, what do you think a spooky? And she's like, I don't know. I'm probably dying. And I'm like, yeah, probably. She's not dying. She's just she's got, got, a got asthma or something. Yeah. Cat cold. Yeah. I don't know, man. 
but it stresses me out. And I, like, I love this is what I'm talking about vulnerability. I'm like, don't make me love you and then fucking die, you asshole. That's bullshit. That, that's that's what cats do. That's life. Yeah, exactly. They make you love them and then they die, and that's life, right? That's yeah. you know. Oh, I was gonna say is I love the um. What was the one? Was it the Mickey Mouse on the cactus? Yeah, I liked all the Mickey yeah. Mouse ones. That one was my favorite. Yeah. I really liked that I one. I want to make a stickers of that or something. I don't know. You we'll should. see. That involves effort on my end, and I'm bad at oh, that. Don't don't put yourself out. Jared. I gotta stop telling myself I'm bad at that. As we finish the podcast, I'm gonna go look at myself in the mirror right now in the bathroom and be like, "You're good at it." You're not you're, you're not at bad it. at it because you haven't even fucking tried, Jerry. I don't do it. I just don't do it. You're not bad at it. You wouldn't even know. You can get out there and shine like you said. You're a firework. Yeah, you're a big, bright, shining star. What? A, who is that? That's yeah, exactly. Dirk just Diggler. waving a big plastic dick in the mirror. <laughs> no, who does the firework song? Why can't I remember her name? She's famous. I don't know. Katy Perry. Yes. Is it really? I just I forgot her fucking name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, yeah. there you go. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I am, I have always been a big fan. I, in fact, I can't, I can't show you, but I have two pieces of your art on my wall. I've got the, I've got one that on the back side, it's the, they're coming to take me away. Ha ha's. Do you remember those guys? It, on the back, it says Coda's bed frame part one or something. It was oh, like, you took yeah, apart God, his that fucking was an, futon. Oh yeah. Cause he moved out and so I broke his futon and painted it. Yeah. And then I have this other one. Well, actually I have three in here. I have another one, which is these little, um, they're like little I guess pink... I should probably send you something from not 1999, huh? <laughs> or 03. There's the pink bunnies with the fangs, and uh, and there's a little blue outline. It's super small. It's like this big. And then uh-huh. I have the um, the portrait you did of me with the snake, which was, that's a pretty... Oh my God. Yeah, that portrait's awful. I need to... It's, I, okay, I want to do... Listen, it is... The nose ahead, is off, but... Just, everything is a mess, dude. <laughs> So the best part was, um, and it, we're being vulnerable, and um, yeah. I, I just want to, um, the best part about that portrait was that we all were living in different parts of the country, I believe, and we all yeah. came together. I was in Arizona. In Las Vegas, that's right. And so we were all meeting up in Las Vegas to have this, uh, have a have a party. It was like a big birthday party for a bunch of us. And um, so I think on the last day or second to last day, um, after, you know, drinking for three or four days straight or whatever it was, Jerry's like, I painted you. And, um, and he handed me this thing and he's like, mostly, I just want you to have to carry this picture of yourself on the plane back. <laughs> like, that was part of the motivation was I really want to, uh-huh. I want to do a painting of John and I think it'd be really cool. But also this is going to be hilarious to make him paint, carry this giant canvas on portrait the plane. of himself on a plane. That's great, man. I, I, I don't think it's badly done. I worked really hard. It took me a while. I worked hard on it. I just got your face wrong. Maybe that's what, maybe that needs to be my new project is getting your face right. Huh? Anyway, but yeah, that was funny. Cause in my mind, I pictured you drunk, drunk, hungover, sweating, mm-hmm. All carrying of the above. this giant, I mean, it wasn't that big of a portrait. I think it was like 18 by 30, maybe not even that big. It's probably a 12 by 20. Big enough to be on Southwest. Yeah. Yeah. Just carry the sweating, sweating <laughs> through your shirt, fat cigarette, hungover yes. as fuck, green. We were all green from drinking so much. Exactly. So much. That was my plane ride home. And I had it, I couldn't put it anywhere. So I had to like sit with it at my, at my knees, yeah, at my legs. Your knees, yeah. And oh. you're just like, excuse me, could I get a, a vodka? <laughs> just a, just a vodka and whatever. Just whatever. Just I'm give me literally the fucking, dying yeah. right now. Yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think even just doing art in any way, it takes a little bit of vulnerability to put yourself on the page. Oh yeah, it takes. Well, you know, you write. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you people need to be more vulnerable out there. That's what that's we're telling you. No, I don't. Know. I, I think I think it I think it is really important in recovery. That's all in my, my recovery. My call to action. Yeah, yes. my call to action. Go be fucking vulnerable out there. <laughs> share. Show yourself. Share. Yeah, um, but don't share too long. You're wasting everybody's time. <laughs> but I think, uh, yeah, man, I would love to hear from anybody. I know we don't do, we really don't do call to actions too much. Um, but if anybody out there, I know there's there's like a couple hundred of you that listen regularly, and you know there's there's a few of you that might write us. Um, send send me an email. Hit me up on Instagram, A is for Alcoholic, uh, Facebook, and I'd just love to hear about. Um, a story about you being vulnerable. And also yeah. I think next week we're going to, I'll give you a little, you know, we're going to talk about what keeps us sober today. Um, that's the W. And if you want to be a part of that show, send me a message or send, even send me a voice memo and email it to me like 30 seconds and tell me what keeps you sober today. And we'll uh, just do it on your phone. Be like, do Hey, it on yo, your phone. this is, this is a bing bong from Tuscaloosa. I gotta say, <laughs> You're you're a long distance driver. The new, yeah, the new Lego Bionicle set is what keeps me sober. Mm -hmm. Love love Legos. Whatever. Love the podcast. Cheers for alcohol at gmail.com. But yeah, man, I just think uh, share with us. We'd love to share it out there. Um, Yeah. What else, Jerry? Is that it? I think that's it. Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at aisforalcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah. <laughs>